0: Well, I want to give a big thank you to Gavin, our children's pastor, for sharing with us last Sunday. It was a, a late switch to online only, and he didn't, didn't miss a beat. Um, I know it's, it's, for those of you that, that don't speak in public, there is a big difference between preaching to 120 people, like we often do in our second service, and preaching to about seven in the room and a camera and uh, he handled it all extremely well. If you didn't get a chance to watch last week's service, I would encourage you to go back and do so. If you need some extra encouragement, you know, sometime this week, I, you can go back several years um, in our sermon archives, uh, videos for quite a while, and even beyond that, audio, if you need a, an extra boost. I would encourage you, um, a lot of churches that don't always live stream are, are live streaming, so I would encourage you to check out their live stream as well. Check, check out somebody else's live stream Um, It's always going to be extremely important to me and to New Life that we give you opportunities to hear God's Word, to hear messages from different voices. At the same time, it's also extremely important to me and has always been important to New Life uh, that we give our younger pastors plenty of opportunities to preach in the main services to give you an opportunity uh, to hear from them. Many of you put a lot of trust in them when it comes to their hand in the spiritual growth of your kids and your students. And so we think it's important that you hear from them from time to time. Also, having Gavin preach last week was supposed to give me a little bit less sermon writing on my plate to focus on some other things, to focus on some future sermons. It ended up being an extra time to plan uh, for what we're doing now, an extra time to have conversations about where we go from here while we're in a different situation Um, my plan was to put some dedicated time into Resurrection Sunday. Uh, For those of you that, that haven't really thought this through, Easter is three weeks from today. And I don't know what will happen by then. I don't know what will have changed. Many of you already wonder what we'll do about Easter Sunday, if things still are the way they are or if by chance things are even worse. We haven't made that decision yet. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but we'll be ready to celebrate no matter what that looks like. And what we celebrate on Resurrection Sunday, and really what we celebrate every time we gather, is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have a personal relationship with Jesus as our Savior, and the hope of eternity in heaven. And when we've realized that Jesus died for us, once we've accepted Him as our Savior, when we've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Things begin to change in our life. That's what we're talking about in this part of the series. As last Sunday, Gavin began real change by talking about the change in our self-image. That involved looking inward, but today I want to look kind of both inward and outward as we talk about real change in our relationships. Here's a truth we have to remember we don't have one set of relationships before we meet Jesus and a completely different set of relationships after we accept him as our Savior. Many people, especially those closest to us, like family, will be a part of our lives as unbelievers and then still remain a part of our lives when we believe. If you've made a decision for Jesus, you know that there were relationships that remained a part of your life. If you're not a believer in Jesus here Uh, today, my hope is that you at some point will come to that decision. And if you do, there will be people that know the old you that are still part of your new life in Christ. Additionally, when we have that relationship with Jesus, when that becomes foundational to who we are, it really changes both what we need in and from relationships and who we need to be in relationships with as well. And so the question we want to answer today is this. What real change takes place in our human relationships when we begin to follow Jesus? I want you to think back to when you were a kid. Now, I know for some of us that is a slightly longer trip down memory lane than it is for others. But when we were kids, on some level, friends were about status, having a lot of friends, being popular. That's what it was all about for a lot of us as kids. As you grow up, if you actually grow up, some of us are refusing to do that, most of us realize that substance matters way more than status when it comes to relationships. We need people in our lives not just to be there, but to actually be there, to really and truly be there. Think about it this way with me. Uh, Consider your childhood best friend. And I don't mean in generalities like, oh, yes, I had a best friend. I mean right where you are today, in your living room, at your kitchen table, or the few people in this room, go ahead and say the name of your childhood best friend out loud. And once you've identified that person, I want you to think about what made some of the things that made that person your best friend. Maybe it was a shared interest. You know, maybe if somebody you played baseball with or somebody that loved to play Barbies like you love to play Barbies. Maybe it was geographical location. For a lot of us, the best friend we had as a kid was someone who lived nearby, which allowed us to spend a lot more time together. Maybe there was some other reason, but consider what made them your best friend and then shift your thinking to your best friend now and the reasons that that person is your best friend. Now, you can say this one out loud, too, if you want to, but if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse right now, I suggest you say them first. Um, I'm not trying, trying to tell you what to do here, but I'm just looking out for you this morning. You better name your spouse as your best friend. Then you can name a non-spousal best friend if that's what you need to do. And so when you consider what makes that person your best friend, I'm going to wager a guess that the reasons are deeper. That shared interests are probably still there, but it's a lot more than that. It's relying on one another. It's accountability. It's the ability to take off the mask that so many of us wear and be real with another person. We're talking about what some people would call 4 a.m. friends. Think about that. If someone calls you at 4 a.m., it better be important. And so the kind of friends that know they could call you at 4 a.m. because they need you, that's the kind of friendship I'm talking about. And I want to say a word to the, the teenagers or the kids who might be watching along with their parents this morning. Um, we miss you guys too. I know, I know it's driving Gavin and Anthony crazy that they can't gather you with, with you right now, but I want to say something to you uh, for a moment. You may still be in the part of your life with the first kind of best friend, where it's shared interest. It's somebody you play sports with, or you have a, a hobby in common. But don't be afraid, no matter what age you are, to start looking for that deeper level of friend now. Maybe even more importantly, don't be afraid to start trying to be that deeper level of friend for other people right now. The writer of Proverbs said it this way. This is one of my favorite passages about friendship. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Good friends make us better people. And strong relationships help us grow. And so I think both the Christian and the non-Christian portion of our society, the believers and the unbelievers, they probably understand the concept of a 4 a.m. friend. I think most people across all lines both have 4 a.m. friends and are someone else's 4 a.m. friends, which is good. It's good. But is there a deeper level of friendship that can be based on our relationship with God? I would say yes. And I would point out today that Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus was fully God, even as he was fully man walking this earth. So so he could be categorized as what we would call self-sufficient. And yet, instead of going it alone in this life, he showed us what it looked like to have a select group of people that are your closest friends, friends that encourage one another, friends that challenge one another, friends that honor one another, that hold one another accountable. That kind of friend for us today would be the kind of friend that would continually point us to Jesus. And so we read about Jesus calling the first of his friends, his disciples, in Matthew chapter 4, beginning of verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus called his disciples really to walk away from their lives as they had known them to follow him. This was not a casual relationship. They didn't meet up once a week to chat. They didn't have a text thread that everybody followed. These men began spending all of their time together, following Jesus wherever he went. And then we see that Jesus drew three of his disciples even closer to himself in somewhat of an inner circle. We don't know nearly all the details of their relationship, but there are these key moments in Scripture that point to their relationship being closer and at a higher level of trust with Jesus. First in Mark 5, during the story of Jesus healing the daughter of Jairus, Jesus goes with his disciples to the home of Jairus where the girl is, and we read this in Mark chapter 5, verse 37. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He took them on into the house and left everyone else standing outside. As recorded in Matthew's gospel, Jesus took those same three disciples up on a high mountain where something amazing happened, something we call the transfiguration of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers James and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And then shortly before being arrested, one more instance we find in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 26, beginning of verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so in those three stories, it's not so much the particular circumstances that I want to focus on, but simply the fact that in the most important, the most intense, the most heart-wrenching, the most heartbreaking, or even in the most amazing situations, Jesus shared those moments with those absolutely closest to him. Now, to some, suggesting that Jesus needed these guys in his life may seem like a reach because Jesus is fully God. He really doesn't need anything, but, but I don't think it's a reach. These men certainly relied on Jesus, but he also relied on them. He desired their presence. Do you have people in your life that you rely on? Are you a person who can be relied on by other people? These are important questions to ask ourselves because we should rely on other people. We should be able to be relied on, but I know a lot of people who don't think they want nor need that kind of relationship in their life. Building that kind of relationship requires a lot from us. It requires time, and a lot of us just don't think we have it. It requires effort. And a lot of us have no desire to put it in. It requires investment. It requires vulnerability. And that word scares us to death sometimes. Any of those places can be the place where we tend to want to draw the line and say, well, I just don't have time for those kinds of relationships. Or I can't afford to be that vulnerable. It's not easy to develop those relationships. And so some of us say, "Eh, I'm not doing it. On top of that, some of us want to believe that we are simply strong enough to walk through this life alone or mostly alone. We may even convince ourselves that people that rely on other people relationally are weak. What is actually true, I believe, is that no matter our personality, whether we are introverted or extroverted or whatever else you may want to describe yourself as, I believe that humans, all humans, are made for relationships. And without meaningful relationships, we will find ourselves starved for community. The real change in relationships that comes when you begin to follow Jesus is that the most vital relationships in your life actually have three parties involved. You, the other person, and Jesus. The most vital relationships you can have, the ones that I believe can stand the test of time, will find their grounding, will find their foundation in Jesus Christ, which means two things. Number one, it means within the family of faith, you can seek deeper relationships. If you're lacking relationships that find their basis in Jesus Christ, I would suggest that you reach out, introduce yourself to someone new, join a life group, join a ministry team. Come to a special event once we're allowed to have those again. Join the softball team. Do, do something to meet people because if you do so, I promise, you will meet people who love Jesus and people who you can count on. I can't find you a new best friend, but you will find people who will walk through the ups and downs and the good and the bad of life with you. And then the second thing, and I think this might even be more important, In existing relationships, you can share Jesus. I said earlier that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't just cut ourselves off from old friends. We shouldn't. We have an opportunity in those previous relationships to bring Jesus into the conversation. It's possible when you become a Christian that some distance in those previous relationships is healthy. I understand that. But I will make this point to you. Every one of those people you had a previous relationship with needs to know Jesus just as much as you did. And your pre-existing relationship with them may be exactly the opening that God can use to do amazing work in their life. I've seen people come to Christ and completely abandon their old ways. And depending on what their old ways were, that can be an extremely healthy thing. But I've also seen people come to Christ and completely abandon their old friends or even their family. And unless those people would somehow make it impossible for you to follow Jesus, keeping those relationships alive, finding opportunities to show them love and share Jesus with them could make all the difference for their eternity. Now, the truth of the matter is, this week I thought about stopping the series altogether. Stopping our current series to talk more specifically about what's going on in our lives and in our world today. But what, what I kept coming back to was the way that I try to teach anyway is to tie it to how we're dealing with today. And so as I began to consider relationships, it made a lot of sense that we needed to talk about it because we were going to get back to what's going on in our lives anyway. I want you to consider the increased isolation that each one of us is feeling today. Most of us have, had, have eliminated a good portion of our human contacts this past week. Many of you are working from home. Kids, you haven't seen your school friends in a week now. Students, you haven't had nearly as many opportunities to just hang out with people. I see my coworkers, and I see my family. And for the most part, that's about it. That's about it. And I know when all this started, the introverts among us were like, yes, this is what we train for. I get that. Some people are probably still in that little honeymoon phase here where they're like, ah, I love this. It takes it out of me to deal with people. It takes it out of me to be around people. So I get to just be by myself. This is fantastic. And I know that when this all started, the extroverts among us were like, I'm not going to make it. You know, they're four hours in and they're craving a crowd. But here's what I think. I think eventually, soon even, all of us are going to miss people. I think they're going to miss people, miss human contact. Video conferencing, FaceTime, those kinds of things are great. But they remove some elements of the relationship that I believe we all need. I said it already, I made it. We we miss you all. This room is basically empty and it just doesn't feel right. You know, people stopped by and picked up communion this morning. They'd say, how you doing? I'd say, this is just weird. It's strange. We miss people. It's weird to have people stop to get communion and to not shake their hands or hug them like we normally would. It breaks my heart to know this is kind of the way things have to be right now, but it's the best thing that we can do. Apparently, I'm supposed to take my jacket off because I'm making noise. It breaks my heart to know that this is the best way we can help, but this is the best way we can help. And there's a temptation to believe that the longer this goes on, the more damaging it's going to be to our relationships. I would suggest if we allow it to do so, this could actually make a lot of relationships a lot stronger. Because we're going to need each other a lot more right now in a lot of different ways. And so I want to leave you with some very specific challenges this morning. Challenges to to change your relationships, to do so intentionally, to be more of a blessing to people and to better represent Christ to them in your life. The first one is this. Increase your relational contact with people in your life even as you decrease your physical contact. You know what I've learned this week? Phones still work for phone calls. I I know I spend a lot of time on my phone doing things that are not phone calls, sending emails, sending and receiving text messages. I've made more phone calls this week than I've probably made in years. And you know what? It still works. And people appreciate hearing another person's voice, having someone check on them, and so whatever that looks like for you, don't be afraid to call over to your neighbor or to call a coworker you haven't seen in the last week or to call a friend or to call family, especially those who really have no choice but to stay home. The truth is we all need to stay home if we can, but those who would fall into a higher risk category, I would, I would challenge you, make a phone call, check on them, let them know how you're doing, and in that way, you're increasing relational contact even as you decrease physical contact. It'll do good for you. It'll do good for them. Offer to pray for them, even over the phone. It may feel awkward the first time, but I guarantee you they will appreciate it. The second thing, I would challenge you to fill the extra time you may suddenly have with prayer, with worship, with Bible study. But don't be afraid to do that in groups. You know, even if you're not technologically advanced enough to Uh, to to do like a Zoom call or or something on Facebook where you can video chat, you can still talk about Scripture or pray together, as I said, over the phone. Don't be afraid. I, I hope this morning, I hope that you sang right there in your living room or in your kitchen, that you didn't just watch the worship team up here. You know, even though you're not here, even though you're not in the room, we're still leading you in worship. We want you to sing right where you are. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to connect with other people. Hey, I've been studying this. What do you think about this passage? Or, hey, could we pray together? Don't be afraid to connect in the ways that we can. And then number three, continue being a good neighbor and a good friend, even if those things look a lot different right now than they normally would, even though that, that's going to take on a different form than it normally would. Be a good neighbor. Reach out. Be a good friend. Stay connected because the truth of the matter is we're stronger together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 beginning of verse 9, this is usually a passage that's used during weddings to talk about a husband and a wife, but it's also useful to talk about friends. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 beginning of verse 9, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help, but someone who fails alone is in real trouble." Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You know, when we decided that this sermon was part of this series months ago, when we decided to do a a sermon called Real Change in Relationships, I had no idea that when it came time to preach it, we would be in the midst of a forced real change in our relationships. And it's tough, it's sad. A lot of you are really struggling with not being able to connect the way you normally connect. I understand that. But what if instead of being sad, what if instead of of wallowing in disappointment, what if we saw this as an opportunity to strengthen our relationships in different ways, to share the love of Jesus in different ways? ways. When this is all over, and it'll eventually be over, when this is all over, what will people say about God's people and how we reacted? The answer to that question depends on you and me. So you can allow this to distance you from people, spiritually even. You can allow this to break down relationships, or you can trust that God is with you and take the opportunity To strengthen relationships. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that relationships are not just about face to face contact. And so, God, I pray that we would take advantage of all those other means to stay connected and to support one another, to love one another, to reach out to one another. God, whatever that looks like for us, I pray that we would have the boldness to do so. God, I pray that we would care for our neighbors, to care for one another during this difficult time. God, most of all, I pray that we would lean on you, that we would know that you're in control. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We want you to know that even as we can't meet together, the, the opportunity to respond is always open. And so if you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, please reach out this week. I would love to talk to you about what that looks like. Or if you need prayer, don't be afraid to reach out this week. We'd love to pray for you. We we, want to connect with you and meet whatever needs you have, and so please don't be afraid to reach out. But we're going to sing a song, um, and we want you to consider those challenges and also prepare your hearts for communion, because as soon as the song is over, um, we'll take communion together. Let's sing together.